You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So I want to minister this morning a message that the choices that you make determine who you are before God. The choices that you make determine who you are before God. Amen? Your life is full of choices, decisions. You made a decision this morning to come to church. Amen? That's a good decision. You could have made a decision to stay at home and watch the rugby. So well done to all of you. Amen? It's better to be in the church praying. Amen? When I was a a pastor, young pastor in Bloemfontein, I had one congregation member. I said to him the one day, I said, "I, I missed you on Sunday. He said, Pastor, what would you prefer? Me sitting next to the fishing waters fishing, missing the church, or me sitting in the church, missing the fishing waters? (laughs) I said to him, you take that up with God, not with me. Amen. What do you think God wants you to do? Amen. Why do I use that example? Because sometimes we want to reason from a natural point of view when we have to make decisions. And we've become very good with that. But the truth is you have two natures. You have your divine nature and you have your human nature. It was Peter's divine nature that said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. My Father in heaven revealed this to you. Turn to the person next to you say you have a divine nature. Your divine nature is your spirit man. Is that part that's linked up with God. A few minutes after that, his human nature, looking at the situation from a human point of view, when Jesus told him that he will have to die, Peter said, no, you're not going to die. From a human point of view, a natural point of view, he says, Jesus, you cannot go anywhere. You have to stay here. But he didn't realize what would happen if Jesus did not die. Sometimes we find ourselves where we make spiritual decisions, and the next minute we find ourselves making decisions from a natural point of view. Am I talking to the right people here this morning? Family, listen to me. In all your decision-making, make sure that you include God in everything that you do. The Bible teaches us in the book of Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end of that leads to death. So when you look at it, it makes sense. Here's a business opportunity. Let me just go into it. Who of you have ever gone into a business opportunity that looked good on paper, and afterwards it caused you a lot of damage? Raise your hand. I'm one of them. Amen. It made sense on paper. Right now, this time of the year, many people find themselves in the valley of decisions. Should I move here? Should I take the promotion? Should I go overseas? From a natural point of view, it might look good. But what is God saying? The first area where you should prosper is in your spiritual life. If your spiritual home is settled the rest of the things will fall into place because God does everything in and through His church. Many of you here, when you visited the church, God immediately prompted you and said in your spirit, this is your home. 
But even after you know that and you have that revelation, you can still start to reason. It's far to drive. Should I come? Very quiet now. Amen? Especially when you are young, you make some stupid decisions because you're quick to react. Young people, listen to me. You've got one mouth and two ears. Listen twice as much as what you talk. Missed a good place to say amen. Turn to the person next to you, say you have two ears and one mouth. Double your listening and half your talking. If you have to be honest, most of your problems that you are facing, most of the challenges that you have, they are tongue problems because you talk too quickly. Today we have the internet where we quickly want to type something. Then it's there forever what you've said. David said, Lord, do not deal with me according to the sins of my youth, but according to your mercy deal with me. Most of the big mistakes that people make are when they are young, when they've not matured, when they are quick to react. Amen? Okay. Who of you made some stupid mistakes in your teens? Who of you continued to make some stupid mistakes in your 20s? Who of you made mistakes when you were 30? Who of you know you're making less mistakes now that you're older than when you were younger? Somehow, the elderly would tell us, don't do it this way. It's not a good way. But we always want to show them, no, we can do it better. We'll prove you wrong. Amen? So how will a young person keep his ways pure? I want to read from the Passion Translation, Psalm 119. It says, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to the word of God? With my whole heart I have sought you. Family, listen to me. If you want to make good decisions, if you want to make God decisions, make God's word the standard for your life. Young people, don't just make decisions on what you feel. View it in the light of God's word. Amen? I have sought you, oh, let me not wander from your commandments, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Family, make a decision to make God's word the standard for your life. Young people, how will you keep your life holy? By viewing all your things in the light of God's word. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, make God's word the standard for your life. Tell them again, say, make God's word the standard for your life. In your decision making, make sure that you include God in all that you do. When you make decisions, ask yourself, am I looking at this from a natural point of view? Or have I got God's opinion when it comes to that? When it comes to relationships, young people, don't just jump into a relationship with the first person that you meet because you are desperate. Sometimes you have to use your common sense. Sometimes you have to use your common sense. Ladies, listen here. He might have big muscles and a nice smile, but if it walks like a duck, swims like a duck, 
quacks like a duck, it's a duck. If your parents told you it looks like a duck, your friends are telling you it looks like a duck, your spiritual friends, your, 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 the pastors or the elders say he swims like a duck, it's a duck. If you marry him now and you say, what happened? Why did you turn into a duck? Everybody told you it was a duck. Young people, listen to me. You are young. You know how many phone calls we get where people call us and parents say, my child, it seems like my child has gone mental. Then we ask, what university are they attending? Where, this, this. Went to university, everything was fine. Went to this place, and now things have just gone haywire. It's not just about the education, going to the perfect university or college. Is it the right time and season? If their character is not ready, it can destroy them. They can have knowledge here, but things can happen that derail them. Don't just say yes to the first and best option that comes your way. Get God's view, God's opinion. Turn to the person next to you and say, include God in your decision-making. Christianity, Christianity is not the art of seeing how close I can live to sin without sinning, but living for righteousness, living for holiness. Did you hear what I said? Christianity is not the art of seeing how close I can live to sin. Parents, your children are young. The decisions you make and what you allow affects their future. Do you know what they want to teach children now at school when it comes to sex? And at what age? Influencing their way of thinking from grade four. Come on Wednesday, I'm going to talk a bit more about it. Teenagers, what they believe, what they think, how they behave in their teens is determined between the ages of five and eight. How teenagers behave is determined by decisions and choices between the age of five and eight. So make sure that you're training your children at young, that young age, certain things that are doing, certain habits that's being imparted in their hearts between the ages of five and eight will have an effect upon their lives at the age when they really become a teenager. Turn to the person next to you and say, include God. Tell them again, say, include God. If you're desiring to grow in the, the things of the Lord, you have to desire the things of the Spirit. Amen? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 24. Family, as people grow up, a teenager, when somebody in the Hebrew traditions and culture when they reach the age of 13, they are considered an adult. They can start to make their own decisions. Amen? 
When somebody goes to high school, they can make their own decisions. That's why you have to influence their lives with the Word of God before that age, so that they will make God's Word the standard for their lives before that age. Amen? Don't think, oh, what they are doing is cute, it's fine. Shape the tree. Trim it. Amen? Verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Family, when we serve God, it's in humility and sincerity of heart. Not because you have to, but because you want to. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua did not make it compulsory. He knew that if you wanted to serve God, it needed to come from a willing heart. He says, I'm putting it before you. Make a decision who you will serve. But if you're going to serve God, serve Him with all your heart. Amen? When you listen to the news today, hear what people are saying, conversations at work, from a natural point of view, fear can grip your heart and very quickly or easily make you make decisions that's not from God. All your decisions, you have to view it in the light of God's Word. Joshua said, yeah, I know you have many options. I know you have many options. But I'm telling you the decision that I've made, I'm going to serve God. The truth is, even today, Jesus is still on trial. People are still accepting Him. People are still accusing Him or making a decision to align their lives with the Word of God. Turn to the person next to you say, make a God decision. Family, idolatry. We read here, say, choose which God you will serve. We know idolatry is not a little statue. It's in your heart when you are stubborn, when you are resisting the Word of God. His way of doing things. That's idolatry. Joshua did not make it compulsory. He said, you decide what you want to do. You decide if you want to serve the Lord or not serve Him. I'm telling you now, once you've made the decision to say, God, I'm going to serve you, you'll see God will be the one helping you, taking you from where you are to where He wants you to be. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, make a God decision. Family, you have to do what the best do. That's not based upon materialism, the things of this world. But self-fulfillment, knowing that you're in right standing with God. Self-actualization, knowing what God has called you to do and walking in that so that His name can be glorified in you and through you. Many people ask the question, what is the will of God for my life? Have you ever asked that question, what is the will of God for my life? Let me see your hand. That's a good question to ask. And the way that God executes 
His plan and each person's life will differ. But there are certain things that we know what the Bible tells us what is His will. So there's certain things where God will tell you, this is the will of God. And those things you can start to apply in your life, practice in your life. And as you do that, it will help you to see how God's plan and purposes will unfold in your life. Amen? So, let's go to one of those things where the Bible says, what is the will of God, or this is the will of God for my life? Turn to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. Turn to the person next to you, say you're a free moral agent. Tell them again, say you're a free moral agent. Tell them you make your own decisions. This is what Joshua said. He said, listen here, you can serve other gods. I know you've been serving other gods. You have been placing other things and deeming other things more important than God. I'm telling you, Myself and my family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. You decide what you want to do because you're a free moral agent. He says, I'm letting you decide because I know there's no other option. There's only one God, one living Jesus that's worth serving. So I'm putting the option out to you, but there's actually only one option. Serve the living Jesus. All these other things have got a way of disappointing you. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. Paul is writing here, he says, for this is the will of God. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Can it be more clear? This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Young people, if you are not married, you cannot be in a sexual relationship. Cannot say you're a Christian and you want to live for Jesus, but you're in a sexual relationship. I don't care if he promises you a thousand times with his hand on the Bible that he's going to marry you. It's wrong. He says it is wrong. It's the will of God for you to live a holy life. I don't care if he wants to know if you can give him a child and it must be a son. The Bible says it's wrong. If he's a Christian and he aligns his life with the word of God, he'll change. It's not a matter of combining your culture with the word of God but it's relying totally on the Word of God. Amen? Family, this is the trap of the enemy. Because from a natural point of view, you want to know if I can have a child. But your divine nature will tell you it's wrong. It's the trap. Here he says, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, 
that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. He says, be careful that you don't get defrauded in this, cheated in this, a trap being set for you. This is the reason sin will make you poor in your spirit, and then it will manifest in other areas. Proverbs teaches us, by means of adultery, committing adultery, being unfaithful because of the sexual immorality, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. There's a man is reduced to a crust of bread. It's a spiritual law that's working against you. God does not say don't sin because he's a spoil sport. He knows that sin will kill, steal, and destroy in your life. Why are so many people finding themselves in this position where they've been made poor? Sexual immorality. God says, find out the way that you can live a life that will honor me Find out your own way before God to live a holy life. But the only way that you can truly do that is by the help of the Holy Spirit. If you want to serve God in the right way, it's an honor and a privilege reserved for the very best. And you can only do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need the Holy Spirit. You know what the problem is today? We have too many Christians that are convinced, but they're not converted. They are saying with their mouths, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I read my Bible. I go to church. But in their hearts, they're not converted. They're not linked up with God. They're not born again. Turn to the person next to you and say, you must be born again. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. You cannot be living for unrighteousness and confess with your mouth that you're a Christian. You're deceiving yourself. It's very quiet here this morning. Family, we are busy preparing you to be ready for Jesus' second coming. They were all virgins. They were ten virgins. Only five of them made it. They all had lamps. They all were virgins. They all had oil. They all fell asleep. They all had to be woken up. They all saw him, but only five were allowed to go in because of the oil. Because they were ready, they were prepared. You have to prepare yourself. Ask yourself, what is in my life that's not pleasing to the Lord and get it out? It's essential that you serve God with a willing mind. Family, we have to do with a God that is holy. The slogan of the church, loving God, loving people. We love God and we love all people. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have to love all people. Tell them again, say you have to love all people. Sometimes people are different than you. They believe different than you. They have a different lifestyle than you. We still have to love them. Amen? 
love your neighbor as you love yourself. God loves all people, but he hates sin. He hates sin. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to deal with the sin that you don't have to feel condemned, that you don't have to feel that you cannot make it, but that you can know that you've got a Savior. You make the decision to allow Jesus to be your Redeemer or not. You make the decision to allow Jesus to be your helper or not, to be your deliverer or not. The Bible warns us, don't just worship him with your mouth. Jesus says, they say they love me, they bless me, but their hearts are far away from me. We confess with our mouths unto salvation, but we believe with our hearts unto righteousness. If you are busy with all these unrighteous things and you're confessing Jesus, your heart is deceiving you. Jeremiah says the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. I, the Lord, search the heart. I seek the heart to give to every man according to his doings. It's not what you say. It's what's in your heart and what you believe. Turn to the person next to you and say, be a Christian from your heart. Tell them again. Say, be a Christian from your heart. In your heart. Amen? He never saw it as a choice, as an option, Joshua. See, that's the only way. Hebrews teaches us that the Word of God has got the ability to cut in between spirit and flesh, your bone and your marrow, to discern the intents and the thoughts of your heart. This is why you have to read your Bible with devotion. You think when you're reading the Bible, you're reading the Bible. The Bible is busy reading you. When I read here and I say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The Bible is saying, what are you going to do? Are you going to make that decision to say you're going to serve the Lord? Not just you, but your whole family? It's reading you. When you read here and you say, it's the will of God for you to live a holy life. The Bible is saying to you, will you make the decision to live a holy life or not? Family, you have a divine nature and you have your human nature. Make a decision being led by your divine nature. Elijah, one of the greatest prophets, the Lord comes to him. You can go 1 Kings 19 verse 16. He says to him, I want you to go and anoint Elisha as the prophet, the man of God that will take over from you. He has a great assignment. He has to deal with certain things. He says, yes. What does he do? He walks past Elisha where he's busy working. He drops his cloak on him and he walks on. Elisha realizes this is not ordinary for a man of God to do this. He says to him, can I quickly just go to my parents and say goodbye? He says, he says, what have I got to do with you? Do what you want to do. I'm going. Turn to the person next to you say, human nature, divine nature. What he did was divine. He's saying, listen here, that which rests upon me is going to rest upon you. From a human point of view, Elijah says, please, can I just go see my parents? He says, listen, I'm not here for your parents. Do what you want to do. I'm going. It seems harsh. 
Am I right? From a natural point of view, what a rude prophet. Does he have no heart? It's his human nature versus his divine nature. He's busy with the things of the Spirit. Amen? Turn to the person next to you say you're a free moral agent. Tell them again, say you're a free moral agent. Let me give you another example. Abraham has got a son. Genesis 24, Abraham's got a son. Calls his servant, he says to his servant, please, I want you to go to my people and find my son a wife. Young people, this is all for all of you. He says, if I don't find somebody, what will I do? He says, then you are released from this vow, but go. So the servant goes and he says, Lord, the right one, I don't want to miss it, the right one must be the one that when I get to the water, she'll give water to me and to all my animals. And there's a whole teaching concerning this, but he asks all of those things, and it happens exactly like that. He says, God has just favored me. God has done what he... He goes to Laban, and he says, this is what's happened. I asked the Lord that these things would happen. It's happened exactly like this. This is the woman that should marry my master's son. Who of you think it's God busy working here? Let me see your hand. Okay, turn with me to Genesis 24. Turn to the person next to you, say you're a free moral agent. Genesis 24, 14. Are you there? See, the, verse 12, he said, Then he said, O Lord God, my master Abraham, please give me success this day. In verse 14, he says, Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, Drink, and I will go. Also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one. So he's asked all these things of God, and God gives it. Goes to, go to verse 50. So now she's gone, she's meeting with the brother, she's meeting with the family. So listen to me, young people. If you want to marry somebody, let your parents meet the person. Let your family meet the person. You missed a good place to say amen. You don't just come and say, this is the one I'm running away. No. There's a right way of doing things. Amen. Take him to your parents. Take him to your brothers. Then Laban... And Bethel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, you've told us this is what you've asked God. And you've told us this is what's happened. We cannot say it's from God or it's not from God. It sounds like it's from God. Why is he saying that? He says, you're not going to say to me now. I'm going to say, yes, do it. This is from God. And then you have your first fight and then come and say, Uncle Laban, why did you allow me to marry this guy? Turn to the person next to you say you're a free moral agent. Tell them again, say you're a free moral agent. When she had to go, the servant says, please, can she come now? Laban says, listen, I'm not going to say yes or no. Call her and personally ask her, what does she want to do? She said, yes, I'll go. 
Turn to the person next to you and say, free moral agent. So family, listen to me. You can come and say to me, God spoke to me and said, I'm going to marry your daughter. Well, just first day, you're first going to have an invitation to come and pray with me in my prayer room before you marry my daughter. It's on invitation. You don't invite yourself. I'll invite you. Amen? Don't be so serious, man. Besides that, even if you say God said, even if two angels came and God said, the individual is still a free moral agent. That's why Laban said, ask her. Ask her. Verse 57, just put it on the screen for the people. So even if somebody said God said, you're still a free moral agent. There's the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Deep, deeper, deepest. I've seen people get married to each other because they said, God said, I must marry you. And it was never God who said they should get married. It was a desire in the woman's heart. It was a desire in the man's heart to marry that person. And they manipulated the person through the word of God by saying, God said. I'm helping some of you here. So even if he comes and he says, God says, you can say, like Laban said, I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm not going to say it's good. What you're telling me sounds like God. Let the young lady decide herself as well what she wants to do. She's a free moral agent. Ladies, you missed a good place to say amen. Because your heart can deceive you. You can desire something, but it's not from God. So be very careful. Amen. Fathers, Train your daughters. You know what kind of a woman you want her to be. So train her. I've trained my daughter, influenced her from a young age, did certain things. I'm not going to tell you what. I've trained her, influenced her with the word of God. That if certain guys behave in a certain way, without them even knowing, they've disqualified themselves. You can do it. If you have a daughter, yes, Philip, he's got a daughter now, teach him. Take her out on a date. Take your daughter out on a date and treat her the way that you want her husband to treat her one day. She'll go on one date with him. If he's full of nonsense, it's his last date. If you want her to receive flowers. You as a father start to give her flowers. If you want the guy to open the door one day, start to open the door for her. Common sense, guys. Common sense. David, Daniel, all these people had godly habits. Daniel had a godly habit to pray three times a day. Teach them certain things. Teach them that God is number one, that they should be in love with Jesus. So any person that they would meet one day will be in love with Jesus, and because they're in love with Jesus, they would find the love that's in that person's heart. Am I helping some of you here? The choices you make determines who you are before God.
That's why you have to make good decisions. Amen. I think I'm going to have a dad-daughter meeting and just help some dads to prepare their little girls for their husbands one day. Amen. Let me see the dads. Let me see some moms that's in it as well. Amen. Yes. If he does not have a habit of coming to church, putting Jesus first, he's disqualified himself. When my children had parties from their school on a Sunday morning, Mommy, I want to go, I want to go. Well, baby, you can buy them a gift, you can give them the gift, but on a Sunday, we love Jesus. We put Jesus first. My kids never went to a party on a Sunday morning. Never, ever. Never. If you want to do that, that's fine. You can do that. I'm just telling you what I trained my children. Sundays, they put God first. Sundays, they're in church. You can watch TV. If you're only watching TV on a Sunday, when it comes to church, it's good. You're getting a lot of sermons. You get a lot. Of, but you're teaching that child that Sunday is TV. And that's fine. They can get the word and they can get saved. But what about the generation after that? They will just think Sunday TV. As long as we're just watching TV, we're not going anywhere. And a gen two or three generations after that, what would have happened to your house? That's what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The Bible says, do not neglect the assembly of the saints when we come together. Because you are not made just to receive. When you just look at the TV, you're just receiving. You're made to give as well. That's why we worship together. Lift, lifting up holy hands. Amen? So Joshua didn't make it compulsory because he knew you're a free moral agent. Amen? I'm closing. Joshua 24, 16. He said to them, you can decide what you want to do. He says, I know you've put idols and other things first in place. He says, it's essential to serve God with a willing mind. Turn to the person next to you and say, serve God with a willing mind. Love is the only genuine principle which anchors and expands forgiveness of sin's mercy. His love, his goodness in your life. So make that decision. I'm going to serve God because I want to. I know it's the best for me. I forgive people because I want to. Because as Christ has forgiven me, I forgive. Turn to the person next to you and say, forgiveness is a decision. Joshua knew that it had to come from a willing mind and a willing heart. When he spoke to them, Joshua 24, 16. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. He said, By your own confession now, you've said you're going to put God first. So put God first. Make the decision to put the Lord first. Everything which is not of God, work it out of your life. Make a decision this morning to give Jesus Christ his rightful place in your heart. He's made a way through Jesus Christ. For you to live a holy life. This holy life that we are talking about, you cannot live it in your own strength. You'll become self-righteous. You'll be, have a holier-than-thou attitude. But when you do it with the help of the Holy Spirit, He'll lead you and He'll guide you. I still make mistakes. 
after a Sunday when I've preached a sermon, I say, tomorrow morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it perfectly. And guess what? When I try and do it in my own strength, I mess up every time. Turn to the person next to you and say, everybody makes mistakes. When you make a mistake, make a decision to run to Jesus Christ. Make a decision to put God first in your life. When you get to that place of self-fulfillment, self-actualization, where you say, God, I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to give you the rightful place in my heart and not allow any idol or anything to come into my heart. When I make decisions, I'm going to listen to my divine nature, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and not make decisions on what I see that looks good from a natural point of view. But I'm going to make a spiritual decision. When you do that, God will take you from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith, from where you are right now to where God wants you to be. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.